0: Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye. Uh, I spent uh, last weekend, courtesy of my daughter, Angela Rye, uh, at the uh, annual, missed a couple of years due to the pandemic, but uh, the Congressional Black Caucus Annual Legislative Conference. And uh, my good friend, uh, I was able to see him at, at the dinner and take a few pics with him, which are on my Facebook page. And that's Congressman Hank Johnson from Georgia, who's on the House Judiciary Committee, and for a lot of people now, what they see the most important committee being uh, the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee, because they will have oversight responsibilities for the trillions or billions of dollars that's being spent. I think it's billions. So Congressman Hank, welcome to Urban Forum Northwest again. Glad you're here. A uh, lot of strange things are happening in Georgia. So I guess we have to start out talking about Georgia first, since uh, you have your uh, uh, Republican senatorial candidate down there. Uh, that can't remember uh, who had babies with, apparently. So can you enlighten our audience a little bit on what's happening down there in Georgia? It seems like a hotbed for a lot of election flaws, conflicts, and misrepresentations from, uh, I guess, uh, the Trump guys going down, Mark Meadows and others trying to overturn the election. So why don't you comment on that for us?
1: well thank you and it was good to see you last week uh, at the congressional black caucus annual legislative conference our 51st and uh most successful to date um, so it was good to see you down there and yeah i'm back in georgia now uh hot and heavy in this uh campaign uh we have a senatorial race and uh, we have a governor's race and all of the down ticket uh state offices which gives us a chance to, for the third time in a row, uh, prove that Georgia is blue, and so the marquee race. Well, uh, we really have two marquee races, but the current, the one that's getting the most attention is, uh, you know, the one that involves Herschel Walker running against our incumbent senator. Uh, reverend Raphael warnock who is the pastor of the historic ebenezer baptist church which was pastored uh by martin luther king jr excuse me martin luther king senior and co-pastored by his son the reverend dr martin luther king jr who of course lost his right lost his life in the civil rights struggle and um so Reverend Raphael Warnock, who prepares his sermons every week and delivers them whilst at the same time serving in the United States Senate. Uh, A man who is of an impeccable character. Uh, His opponent is a guy who is the exact opposite. Herschel Walker, someone who's a proven liar, uh, someone who does not display the same moral character that you expect from a white evangelical Christian. Uh, Those are the ones who are supporting Herschel Walker. Uh, It's just, they, they would prefer a man whose own son has come out and called him a liar and said that he did not raise him with his mother, is lying about his mother saying that uh, he held her at gunpoint with a gun to her head. The son is saying, hey, that's the truth. You're lying when you say it's not the truth. And you're also lying about these other children that you've had that we knew nothing about. That came out during the campaign, three new children. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so the one son, Christian, is uh, is saying that you're just living a lie. And when this report comes out that you paid for an abortion and now Herschel is saying, I don't even know this woman. I don't even know who you're talking about and I haven't paid for an abortion. And uh, the lady has said, hey, I am the mother of one of those three children and you paid me to have an abortion so that we would not have a second child together. So these kinds of um, disclosures coming out, but he still retains the support of the white evangelical community. It shows that that community is nothing but a, a political uh, organization. And um, and it puts on full display uh, how the evangelical movement has been taken over by political forces and they're misleading those uh, poor people uh, to their own detriment. But the people are to blame, they're the ones that's gonna go in there and vote for Herschel Walker. So, you know, you can't take away their blame, uh, you know, and it it really, uh, it's really something. But despite all of that, I think that, we have a great chance of re-electing Raphael Warnock and also uh, electing Stacey Abrams to be our next governor. Uh, we hear a lot of reports that she's down in the polls, that Black folks are not voting for her for whatever reason. Uh, but I'm not one who s- subscribes always to the polls. I think that they polls have their place. Some of them are accurate. Some of them are not and not all of them are accurate all of the time in other words no poster is accurate all the time and sometimes they get it wrong so uh i'm optimistic about what's going to happen here in georgia on november 8th
0: now let's just uh, go back to something that's really important As a matter of fact our washington chapter of the national association of minority contract will be meeting uh three hours two hours after we go off the air and uh Right, you're on the, uh, along with our, uh, I also invited your uh, your colleague who's also on the House Transportation Infrastructure Committee, our first CBC uh, uh, member, uh, Congresswoman Marilyn Strickland. Uh, she wasn't able to be there, but she's been with us in the past. So why don't you just talk about, you know, traditionally we've had a setup where the goals are met by a large contractor selecting if it's gonna be a woman or a minority. And in this state, you can rest assured that women got, white women specifically, got over, over more than their share of the contracts. Uh, there has been civil rights complaints filed, and we just blacks, African descent, United States of slave. We don't fare very well when we have a large majority owned company selecting who is going to be working as their subcontractors, and because it's been a dismal failure for us. And in addition to that, we didn't have affirmative action for 23 years, courtesy of a Democratic governor, okay? Uh, So I'm just wondering, what can be done to ensure there is going to be a level playing field for people who are not the big guys, who are the smaller people? And I just wanted to find out, is there going to be any kind of provisions to make sure there's that protection and inclusion?
1: Yeah, you know, the United States Supreme Court is at fault for um, ruling decades ago that affirmative action or in other words uh race-based quotas were unconstitutional and once they did that then uh the government led by democrats not republicans but democrats have been the ones when we've had power in in, uh, when we've had control of the uh government uh, through having a majority. Uh, we're the ones who have insisted on uh instead of racial quotas, uh, targeted goals and set-aside, so no specific quotas, trying to comply with Supreme Court rulings. And uh, so these targeted goals are pretty much unenforceable when it comes to uh race. Um but you can uh, say, uh, you can deal with, uh, with minorities, uh, all minorities. You can't separate out black people. You can't separate out descendants of previously enslaved people. Uh, you, you can't have targets and goals and, and enforce them based on race in the united states of america that supreme court decided that and they are also
0: in other words words, uh like we're experiencing in washington state blacks can be discriminated against and do not have any recourse is that what we're saying
1: well it it means that uh you know there's a realization that we have been we had, we are we suffer from a legacy of racism and discrimination we're shut out Uh, But the Supreme Court continues to rule that you can't use race in making decisions in federal contracting. They are even considering two cases right now uh, where uh, affirmative action in education is about to be uh, ruled uh, unconstitutional our court is taking us in that direction it's already done so in business now it's getting ready to do so in terms of education and we've been trying to enact certain policies that uh would enable more black people to gain admittance into private and public colleges uh, and universities and these have all been these these tactics have been ruled constitutional over the years, with uh, the Supreme Court continuing, though, to chip away at it. But now, a uh, Supreme Court is is postured uh, to rule affirmative action in education uh, based on race as unconstitutional. Yeah, and so this is this is where we are in this country with a extreme now out uh uh, an extreme 6-3 majority uh conservative reactionary court and i was i was down at the court this past week uh observing oral arguments having to do with racial discrimination against black voters and how gerrymandering uh uh, whether or not uh, the, the federal government can insist that the state of Alabama draw two districts, two minority districts down in Alabama instead of one, given the fact that so 27% uh African American or uh, excuse me, 27% black Alabamians uh make up that population down there. And based on that population, they deserve two. Of the seven seats, at least uh, down there in Alabama, but the court is getting ready to rule that uh, <laughs> that it would be unlawful, unconstitutional to require Alabama to do that. And so that's where we are in terms of affirmative action in this in this country. It's very unfortunate. That's why I'm championing the legislation that I've introduced that would expand the court create additional an additional four seats on the court so that we could restore balance to the court at this I, point.
0: I agree with that, Congressman. I guess uh, two things. One is that women are the major- majority in this country, but yet uh, it's women and minorities uh, competing for, uh, for federal dollars. Uh, so I, that, I find that kind of strange. The other thing is that- well, it, it, you know, it's
1: a, it's, a, it's a way that has been used to preserve the privilege of white people in this country. Uh, The way that we have to do affirmative action by not setting racial quotas, but by uh, setting up targeted goals that can't really be enforced on a racial basis, that leaves so much room for folks to chip away at any uh, targeted goal that is stated, let's say ten. 10% we're supposed to get, but we end up not getting it because it's funneled to other minorities like women.
0: Yeah. And then women are the majority of the majority in the country. The other thing too, is that, uh, you know, watching white white women
1: in particular, uh, let let me revise my
0: statement. Exactly. Because it's about 80% of all the federal dollars went that way for years in this state. But you know, the strange thing is that you look at these uh, college football games 99% 99% of the, 90% of the players are Black. You look at basketball, about 95% are Black. But yet you don't see no Black faces in the stands. So it's amazing how they can use Black folks uh, to generate money for these institutions. But then once again, they say it's Ill, uh, unlawful to use that same money to uh, recruit Black students who are non-athletes into the school. So it's really a contradictory kind of thing. Young Blacks are generating billions of dollars for these white universities, but yet they say it's illegal to use any of that money uh, to recruit and bring black students in.
1: And then after those same black athletes who are welcomed into schools, recruited uh, in there and brought in, not educated, but then they get their heads banged around Mm -hmm. and uh, suffer from CTE uh, as they get older. Those are the ones that we that they hoist up for us to vote for, like Herschel Walker.
0: Well, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I, I think the majority of the African-American athletes today are a little different than than uh, Mr. Herschel Walker. Well, uh,
1: I, I I agree <laughs> with you. Don't let me uh, with a broad <laughs> brushstroke uh, paint everybody because we have some excellent athletes out there. Uh, Colin Kaepernick took a knee and lost his career as a result but he continues to speak out uh people like LeBron James and uh and and others uh make us proud okay
0: Eric did we get uh Stella Ortega on? I want to introduce you to Stella Ortega yes. uh yeah 50 years ago this month uh, uh, uh black and uh, well, chicanos and and, and african americans uh, because uh, uh, leader Roberto Maestro saw a need for a facility for the Chicano population at that time, and uh, uh, we just finished having massive demonstrations led by the late Tyree Scott to get blacks into building trade unions. And during that time, Larry Goss, a former King County council member, was executive director or director of the Black Student Division at the Educational Opportunity Program at the University of Washington. Sam Martinez was director of the Chicano division, and they those forces came together closed down construction jobs. And then when it came time to help the Chicano community, the same people went in. So they'll be celebrating their 50th anniversary. And I was hoping that uh, we'd get Estella Ortega, she is uh, the executive director. Her late husband, his name is Roberto Maestas, and he's the person who was a vanguard in getting this thing done. So uh, I was hoping that she would be on with us right now so you could meet her, because she's a dynamic figure in this city and she's doing some positive things in the community. So uh, we know the most important thing that people need to do right now is make sure they vote and make sure they, uh, in Washington State, we have uh, mail-in voting. In, in mm-hmm. Georgia, you can't give anybody any water or snack if they're in line to vote, right?
1: Yeah, they're trying to make it as difficult for you as possible. Uh, closing down uh, precincts Cutting the hours of the vote from seven to seven in some counties, it's going down to from uh, to nine to five, you know, and then of course uh, you know making mail-in or absentee voting more difficult by putting these forms out there that you've got to fill out. And the forms have intimidating language on them, threatening you with criminal prosecution if you you know say this, that, and the other. And they're so complicated, and you know, you look at it. Even a, a educated person look at it and uh, see all of the yeah, gibberish yeah. down there, and all of the threats. And then you just say, oh, "Okay, well, I'm just not going to vote absentee." They wanted that to happen. Yeah. And then when you go vote in person, long lines.
0: Uh, well, I like to say is that uh, Georgia is uh, what's happening in Georgia is going around the world. I've heard from a couple of people outside of the country who are saying, uh, is this the kind of democracy that you guys have been talking about? Uh, you want us to be like you? And I say, well, you know, I think we can improve on everything. So Estella is here. Hi, Estella.
2: Hello, Eddie. That's so great to hear your voice and such a beautiful day.
0: Okay. Uh, we have Congressman uh, Hank Johnson. Uh, on the line. He's uh, from DeKalb, Georgia. He's on the uh, Transportation Infrastructure Committee with our count member, Marilyn Strickland. And I shared a little history about uh, El Centro de la Rosa with the congressman. So uh, um, do you have a couple of minutes to hear about El Centro, Congressman? Sure. Okay, why don't you uh, give him the the spill, uh, Estella?
2: Okay. Well, um, first of all, it's an honor to be talking to you. And El Centro de la raza has been in existence since nineteen seventy two It translates into the Center for People of all races, and we started with a peaceful occupation of a three story fifty seven thousand square foot school building that had been abandoned and you know back during that time nineteen seventy two Roberto Maestas, who we refer today as our lead organizer was directing an adult learner's um, English program. And the program was defunded by the Nixon administration because there was no longer a commitment to the War on Poverty, and people said, you know, we've got to do something, we have to stay together, and people decided to occupy this old school that had not been used. And the African-American community, Native American, Asian, our allies and the faith, the faith uh, organizations or churches, and the anti-war movement were a part, all a part of supporting that the Latinos would have a place. And Eddie Rye played um, was a great supporter. He was there when we occupied uh, the city council chambers. Um, he dedicated songs to us on the radio because he had a radio program even way back there and just a lot of support. And we always attribute the support that um, we receive from multiracial communities is the reason that we won the building. If it would have been us on our own, we would not be here today. And so we've evolved into you know, an organization that provides services, does housing, economic development, um and so forth and so that's in a nutshell who el centro de la
1: raza is well it sounds like a a wonderful uh organization with a wonderful story and the fact of uh black and brown people coming together uh to uh assert our rights in a uh in a caucasian dominated society uh is is so significant, it was important then and it's even more important now that uh, we link together as as well as with uh, right thinking uh, uh, white people uh, to bring forward uh, a society, a multiracial and multicultural society where equality and justice are uh, what everyone practices. And so uh, we have a lot of work to do, but you I see you're out there doing it. Thank you so much, Mrs. Um, Estelle. And Mr. Uh, Rye, you have been out there for, for decades uh, doing this work, and we appreciate you all uh, doing this work in Washington, and it resonates out uh, from Seattle through the state of Washington all the way down to uh, a
0: state like Georgia. <laughs> and we live and we live in Martin Luther King Jr. County.
2: Absolutely, yes. And Eddie was a leader in getting um our county named after Martin Luther King Jr. and a street named after Martin Luther King Jr. So very active himself. You know, one of the things that I think is important, you know, we started out, you know, with protest and having to demand and of course we're still demanding but i think that our movement has grown you know in the importance of creating wealth building programs like you know home ownership and small business and, and attaining assets to make our community stronger and so that's some of the work that el centro has been doing over the last probably 10 years
1: well it's it's really uh the money is so important. I don't want to say it's all about the money, but when they tell you it's not about the money, that means it's about the money.
2: Exactly. <laughs> so
1: yes. Yeah, so we've got to be out there to get our fair share of it.
2: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That we we can be part of the solution as long as people are going to be fair with our communities and we can develop the assets that we need
1: to move forward with. That's exactly right. To much, much to to those who deprive many of their just due, much is required uh, to uh, adjust and make whole those who uh, who need to be. And when that happens, we'll all be living uh, much better.
2: Absolutely, and that's why that we pound away, and I know Eddie does, and many many communities of color across this country. There's got to be equity.
0: You know. All right. Well, you got a big event coming up on Saturday, Estella Ortega. So, uh, you got a couple more minutes, Congressman Hank.
1: No, I, I really I'm I, behind. I, 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 I overstayed. I usually I,
0: I, I you went 15 minutes over your time. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on, and y'all have a great show.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Congressman Hank Johnson. Right. We appreciate thank you. you. All
1: right. Okay. Yeah, so why,
0: why don't we go to, go to the um, event? Uh, uh, or Saturday at the Washington State Convention Center.
2: Yes, it'll start at 5 p.m., but the program doesn't start until 7 Mm p.m. And, you know, we've got a a great um, – it's just going to be a really beautiful event. We're honoring a couple of people. We're providing scholarships. And then we have identified 50 people for 50 years that – who have been – extremely helpful in making sure that el centro is still here today and eddie wright you know you are one of those people that we are honoring referring to our heroes and our heroes and so you one of our heroes you know and we have to you know we can't forget where we came from and we can't forget who helped us along the way
0: well stella thank you very much for that so i appreciate all the work you guys are doing and uh, I'm going to be a supporter, and I will definitely be there on Saturday. So thank you very much. Is there any way people can still get tickets?
2: No, we're closed.
0: Okay, is there any way they can make a contribution to maintain also those they work can for the go people? Go to
2: our website and, and make a contribution.
0: Okay. Okay, right. Stella, thank, thank you very much. That was a very lively conversation you had with the okay. Congress, and I'm glad you were able to have that. Yes, that was uh, so get, beautiful. Give them some ideas that. to take back to Georgia. Okay, yes. then, thank you very much, and I'll see you Saturday at the El Centro's 50th anniversary event.
2: Okay, Eddie, thank you.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, Eric, we're gonna take that break and come back hopefully with Randolph Carter. Hi, my name is
3: Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.com. Org. For more information on operating a concession at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.cetacshops.com.
4: Why sit in bumper to bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City Tukwila, and the airport, Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress.
5: Make it a great day. Keep your dial on Alternative Talk 1150.
0: Eddie Rye back at Urban Forum Northwest. Want to give a shout out to. Uh... Sound Transit's uh, Civil Rights Office Diversity and Inclusion headed by John Tate Robinson, uh, the Port of Seattle's uh, Diversity Contracting Office headed by Meehan Rice, assisted by Lawrence Coleman and Josie Regan, and the City of Seattle's Purchasing and Construction Services Division with Liz Alzier. Uh, the SeaTac Bar Group, LLC, out at SeaTac on Concourse A, they have the African Lounge and the Mountain Bar, Jerry Whitson and Ron O'Neill. So my next guest is uh, Randolph Carter, and Randolph is with the Progressive Education Network. And there's a big conference coming up on Saturday at uh, at eight forty-five, uh, and uh, I know I'm on a panel, so it's eight forty-five to ten, and whatever else that's required of me. But uh, Randolph Carter, why don't you start out by letting people know uh, the purpose and also the little history about the Progressive Progressive Education Network? Well, thank you, Eddie,
5: for having me. Um, it's- great to be working with you too. Progressive Education Network is a national group of K-12 schools that are in probably every state in the country from a, both curriculum and teaching methods that encourages self-exploration and a consideration of kind of the events of the day. Um, we are expecting about 500 participants at the Northwest School uh and uh saturday morning um the 8th of october we start with a panel eddie that you'll be joining
0: and give our our listeners a little idea about uh, the purpose and the uh, concept of the panel because the theme is honoring seattle's disruptors then and now
5: that's right so our panel includes people from various generations that have lived in the northwest and have really pushed Uh, This idea of being progressive, of being inclusive, and where we see conditions that don't uh, include everyone or not equitable or just, then really fighting against those things. Um, And so we have, uh, as our keynote speaker, Jesse Hagopian, who will be addressing the conference. Uh, We also have Ken Workman, who's uh, a descendant of Chiefs. Chief Siab. so he's a fifth-generation uh, indigenous person in the area, and so we've tried to represent not only the generational differences, but also the cultural differences within the Northwest uh, on our panel, so they can address both the conditions then and now and how we can work together for change.
0: And was there any uh, access to information by uh, folks who, you said so a sellout, but people will still be interested? Anytime they hear anything to do uh, with education, especially with something like uh, uh, this uh, Progressive Education Network, uh, is there any access to information online that people can, can get?
5: Yeah, absolutely. They can uh, Google PEN, and they will. It will come up as the 2022 annual conference. There is contact information there if people want to learn more about progressive education. But, Adi, I also want to say not only do you and I share the panel, but also Chardonnay Beaver, and the Beavers obviously are uh, significant contributors to change in Seattle and the Northwest. Katia um, Ward, uh, who is very active in artist. And her collection, you can see on 23rd Avenue and throughout Seattle, uh, these big murals that she participated in painting. Elizabeth Ortega, uh, who is an educator and an artist, will join us. Uh, Cynthia Savini, who um, will not be able to join us, but we would certainly recognize her because she had uh, health issues that uh, prohibited her from being with us. But... She is active with the United uh, Tribes and um, several of the actions in the Northwest with Indigenous people, including Daybreak Star. Finally, uh, Melanie uh, Mandare, who uh, is with the Wing Loop Museum, uh, she will be joining as well. So we have this really great panel representing various factions within Seattle and the Northwest. And what brings us together, Eddie, is how do we work together to change? And I think that's really the theme of this conference and the work of Penn.
0: And uh, so the, the, the panel, it goes from 845 to 10. Can you yeah. share, sh- this listeners other parts of the program that will be occurring?
5: Well, I mentioned Jesse Hagopian; He'll be keynoting. Uh, there also one uh, aspect of this conference is very interesting are the site visits. So people will not be sitting uh, in the uh, conference all day long. They will be going to schools. They'll be visiting the Wing Luke Museum. They'll be visiting other iconic places in Seattle where people have struggled to change. So it's a very interesting. If people go on the website, they can see the agenda. It goes through Sunday. uh, And so there will be a lot of activity both inside the conference but also visiting sites around Seattle. I think and the group what, is also going down to the Duwamish tribe and visiting um, that indigenous nation uh, and seeing what, they're, what they've been doing.
0: So uh, give our listeners some kind of idea of the places that you'll be. You said you'll be visiting the Duwamish tribe. What are the what are the sites will you be going to?
5: Uh, the Wingloot Museum, Seattle Art Museum. Uh, they'll be visiting about a dozen schools in the area. Uh, there are also um, several other locations uh, that they will be attending various events. That part of the conference will be at the Seattle Convention Center um, because there is a large space there that we will have activities. One of the speakers tomorrow will be Elizabeth Neve, whose new book, Learning and Teaching While White, has been uh, well received and covered by national uh, media will be speaking, So there will be a lot of uh, presentation speakers and resources uh, that, w- that our teachers, parents, and community members will be exposed to. So
0: the, the, uh, the, the overwhelming number of people that will be there, will they be
4: educators?
5: Yes. This is, as I said, the uh, Progressive Education Network. But there are people who are working in communities uh, around issues of change they'll be joining us. One of the things, Eddie, that's a, a little different with this conference and others is people aren't just going to be sitting in the audience kind of listening to a panel and then getting up and leaving. Uh, particularly the panel that we're involved in, we're going to be asking the audience to join us. What are the things that need to change? What are you willing to do and where do you need help? And we are literally going to try to uh, in that time gives people resources to make change real. So I think the whole emphasis of the conference is not to just sit idly by and be entertained or listen to somebody speak, but rolling up your sleeves and asking for the help you need. And if you have resources, offering those to people who need support. So this is a conference, but it's not on one day and off the next day. It's how do we carry the work forward back Mm -hmm. into our schools and communities.
0: Now, wh- wh- how's your response been from like the Seattle Education Association, the Seattle School District, or other school district in the greater Seattle area? Have you uh, received uh, input and response from them?
5: Yeah, I'm not familiar any with the kind of. Uh, I know there was probably outreach to them. By and large, these tend to be either uh, independent schools or charter schools. There certainly there's outreach to Seattle public schools and the other major districts. I'm not sure about their participation, and people are coming from all over the country. It's not just participants from the greater Northwest, but people are coming from everywhere to attend the conference. It happens every two years, and so people kind of look forward to traveling to the conference to learn, what are they doing in Seattle You know that I can take back to Minnesota? Uh, so I don't, I'm not up to seed on the participation by Seattle Public Schools. I know there's probably some teachers attending, but I I don't have the numbers.
0: Okay, the, the, I guess uh, the other question would be uh, in terms of now is this uh, something uh, a little bit more about the Progressive Education Network? You said the conference is every two years. Well, two years we had the pandemic, so that was perfect timing. So uh, the Progressive Education Network, how old is that? And it's a national organization, is that correct?
5: It is a national organization. There are schools in the area like the Little School, um, Puget Sound School, um, uh, Bush School here, you know, kind of in central Seattle. Uh, There are many schools with this kind of progressive education angle that are trying to advance both the student's identity and the world we live in as part of the curriculum. So again it's not just learning about history it's learning about yourself and that tends to be one of the defining characteristics of the progressive education network
0: okay well randolph carter i will see you uh saturday morning bright and early uh at uh
5: the northwest school northwest
0: school that's on summit right Yes. okay yep i think i used yeah. Okay. Then I'll see you uh, uh, Sunday, uh, Saturday morning, Randy. Thank you very much, and hopefully you have a very successful conference, and hopefully this will translate into raising the education level of our students, which is first and foremost important to me.
5: Absolutely. Thank you,
0: and I'll see you. All next. right. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I want to give uh, let folks know that uh, the 2023 budget and capital improvement plan for the Port of Seattle is a virtual community briefing with q and A Q&A session uh it's going to be the maritime and economic development will be next wednesday the 12th from four to five uh aviation will be october 13th from four to five i talked to uh lance little about that but uh go to the ports uh, port of Seattle's website and to get registered it's port registration at portseattle.org. and also uh we had uh Lanisha de Barlovin, the president and CEO of, of the Northwest African American Museum, and they're having a big event on Friday night tonight over in Tacoma. Uh, the Tacoma Urban League uh, has a sold-out empowerment dinner. They're going to be handing out some awards to deserving people. And if you want to hear either one of those interviews up until 5 o'clock, you can go to Alexa or go online. Go to Alexa say, uh, Alexa, play the latest edition of Urban Forum Northwest, And you'll hear uh, Michelle Ogden and Lanisha de Bartleman talking about their upcoming events. So we're gonna take a break and come back after this, Eric. Thank you very much.
3: Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity and inclusion and to leveling the playing field, that means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend Port Gen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at Port Seattle. Org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com.
4: Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City Tukwila, and the airport, Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress.
5: organic, free-range, and fresh daily. Alternative Talk,
4: 1150.
0: All right, Eric got us on the good foot. And uh, next, you got to have a good foot if you're going to be in the Martin Luther King March, I guess. But anyway, that's very appropriate. My next guest is Attorney Robert Bobby Alexander. Uh, He is, uh, like, the vice chair of uh, the Seattle Martin Luther King Organizing Coalition that sponsors the event uh, every year. And I think this year is going to be on uh, the 16th of uh, January, the third Monday of uh, 2023. So I'd like to have Attorney Bobby Alexander give us an update on where the committee is right now and what the needs are. And also how can people get involved? Because I think we have to have more people uh, acting out Martin Luther King Jr.'s philosophy to counteract the other stuff that is real unsavory. So Robert, go right ahead, sir. So at this
6: point, we just selected our theme, uh, which will be 40 years of continuing Dr. King's legacy. Um, and, and Eddie, as you know better than most, uh the forty obviously stands for the amount of celebrations that we've been able to do consecutively in King County, the oldest running mall in the United States in the own county for Dr. King. Uh, so that's where the name the theme comes from. We're still in the early phases right now of planning. Uh we're tr like I said, figure out what that logo is gonna look like, what our uh what our marketing campaign is gonna look like, plus. Updates that I can share right now. Opportunity. Go right fair. ahead. We want our
0: listeners to be informed because uh, they look out for this program to hear about what's happening with the Martin Luther King uh, so uh, uh, Coalition. Are you
6: not able to hear me, Eddie?
0: No, I can't. Go right ahead. I was saying,
6: I think that the the big news this year is that we're bringing back the Opportunity Fair uh, for mm-hmm. years. You know, this coalition has made sure that people leave MLK Day with something tangible last couple of years because of the opportunity fair was huge for the community, but we're bringing that back. Um, so we'll once again have that. We will once again have our youth event where we're going to highlight uh, high school students um, that are, you know, social justice oriented, and we're going to hear their voices. As so many times we ignore young people's thoughts. They will once again be doing a program by them for them. Uh, and then obviously we'll have the community meal at the March and uh, additionally the march and rally so this year we have a full palette of mlk activities uh, kind of returning to the way that it was in the past before COVID. so we're very excited about that
0: and uh right now the the folks who want to get involved and be on a committee uh or be supportive uh, how can they do that
6: um i think you know if folks want to want to join uh they're able to go onto our website um, I think it's SeattleMLK.org, mm-hmm. uh, Seattle coalition.org. You can go online. Uh, you can literally contact us on there. Uh, all of our meetings this year are virtual, and that's significant because all we'll do is send you a Zoom link via email, so you can attend all our meetings. And as soon as you one meeting, you're simply a voting member. So our coalition is, is not elitist at all. Our job is our goal and our job, is to enfranchise as many people as possible, not only through our celebration, but through our community, trying to encourage people to be a part of the planning process.
0: And uh, in terms of the, uh, the workshops, uh, is there a, a coordinator for that yet? Or is there any information that can be dispensed for those folks that have interest uh, in workshops?
6: With, oh, the workshops. You know, thank you for reminding me. So once again, uh, Katie Harris will be running our workshops. Um, I don't have Katie's email on hand, but that's something that we will also be doing again this year. And with respect to the workshop, we'll be submitting uh, submitting engaging programming essentially. So you know obviously topics like reparation, topics like you know around women's reproductive rights, topics around equity in King County, you know capitalism, socialism, et cetera, all these different things that are in the world are things that we're looking for. So if, if you're a person that has something to say, if you're a person that wants to share information with the community, whether it be in, just for information purposes or whether it be to give somebody a skill or a tool around these issues, we're definitely open and we are accepting submissions at this point in time. Um, obviously, our theme this year, like I said, is 40 years containing Dr. King's legacy, which is great because it's very broad. And that breath should give us an opportunity to get a wide variety of submissions from the community and touch a wide variety of issues.
0: Well, I just want to share with you and some of the listeners, uh, uh, I got a call from Bob Barnes. when the, when the first March was, was uh, January 15th, 1983. And there was another organization that precluded the Martin Luther King holiday celebration committee. Uh, that was a, a coalition for respect. And uh, that was formed by uh, of Lady and Bob Barnes and uh, his office, they had the shipscalers office located on Twenty Third at Madison back in the day, and uh, uh, she did that because of the city, uh, while they voted to put uh, the name the street of Martin to uh, Empire Way to Martin Luther King Jr. Way, a suit was filed and the city refused to put the signs up. So uh, oh. we had all kinds of demonstrations. As a matter of fact, one Saturday we wouldn't change the signs. Some uh, people supplied some stickum signs. We went down and put the signs up anyway. And what happened is that uh, in uh, November, uh, the, that's what led up to the first march. January 15th was a Saturday, 1983, it was led by Councilmember Sam Smith and other uh, elected officials were in that march. And that was a protest, the city not putting the signs up and demanding Dr. King's birthday be a national holiday. But fast forward to November, November 2nd, 1983. President Ronald Reagan designated the third Monday of January in 1986 to be the first King holiday. Four weeks later after that, on November 30th, 1983, the Washington State Supreme Court ruled the city of Seattle had the authority to change the name of Empire Way to Martin Luther King Jr. Way. Now, a lot of people didn't want that street name changed because uh, it began at at Madison Street, which was a Black community at the time, and went through the CD. And uh, uh, a staff guy by the name of, uh, he was uh, the late uh, con- uh, city councilman. George Benson was a chair of the Transportation Committee. Uh, and the Board of Public Works wanted to name the street from Madison to where it intersects with Rainier and cut it off there. And Councilmember Sam Smith and uh, George Benson both said, naming a half a street for a great man is half an honor. We're not going to accept it. So uh, that's how we got there. But eventually we had to go to state Supreme Court, or the city did to change the name of the street. Also, they didn't like the idea because Empire Way was also Highway 900, which meant that the uh, MLK uh, signs would have to go up on the freeway. And that was the real reason a lot of people in this community didn't support it. So I just wanted to share that history with you. So that's how we got to where we are. So once again, I'd like to have you give our listeners who are interested uh, the website information and also, I guess we can, uh, I guess Shadi will also post the dates of the next meeting.
6: Uh, Yes, so our next meeting will be on Tuesday. And the website is seattlemlkcoalition.org.
0: Okay. And uh, now does uh, people have to, they have to advise you or can they just go on? Uh, Is there a permission that has to be granted to participate? How does that work? Uh,
6: No. No, no. Okay. So as soon as you go on the website, you'll see a click here for a Zoom link and that will take you to the meeting on Tuesday.
0: And so with that will also, so that's all people who are King-like, uh, who uh, who would embrace the Martin Luther King Jr. non-violence philosophy. Uh, that, those are the kind of people we're looking for, the people that wanna give back.
6: Absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. more More than anything, Eddie, we're looking for people who are gonna do what they say they're gonna do. I mean, obviously, Dr. King was a man of follow-through, uh, and that's something that we're really interested in. There's always going to be people who want to say they're a part of our organization, but our organization is about action. It's about doing things. Um, this event, a, a lot of people could could take it for granted because of how long that has happened, but it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because people put effort into it and because people volunteer year after year and put forth their time and energy, uh, and it's it's worth it. Frankly, it's worth it. So I'm I'm really hoping that we can get more people who are interested in doing
0: the work. Well, I tell you what, I'll volunteer to work on uh, uh, on uh, the uh, opportunity fair. I'll, I'll volunteer to work on that, and then anything else you or Charday need me to do, you can count on me. Uh, I'm still kicking, a little older, but I'm still still viable. So anything I can do. Well, I do
6: s- want to say this. I do want to say this, Eddie. You know, um, in the past. The committee has taken funds from uh, some larger corporate structures, and that, that decision uh, is something that we sort of rescinded. So moving forward, uh, some of the, the Amazons of the world, et cetera, our committee is more cognizant of who we're accepting money from. And what that means is that fundraising is more important than ever. Uh, and so if people want to support this event with their time and energy, we love that. But if you would like to support this event financially, you can also donate on the website. That is another way to support our event. Uh, believe it or not, everything that we do costs money. Everything from running Garfield High School uh, to uh, having speakers to card services so people in our community who, who are differently abled can still enjoy the event. There's nothing that we do that's free. Everything has a cost. We are also definitely looking for additional fundraising efforts.
0: Okay, I'll do that. And I've got my directions on who to ask for the money. So I think we got a lot of public agencies that will be involved with the career fair that also help uh, pray for the services and other items that we need to have a successful event uh, on the the Martin Luther King holiday, the national holiday. So Attorney Robert Bobby Alexander, I want to thank you very much for all the work you do in the community and look forward to seeing you uh, on the next Zoom meeting for the Seattle MLK Organizing Coalition, the sponsors, the Opportunity Fair, the workshops, the rally, the march, and the community feed after it's all over. So thank you very much, sir, and see you soon. I want to let everybody know once again that uh, we did interview uh, Michelle Ogden last uh, fr- uh, last week and also uh, Lanisha de Bartlebin, uh the Northwest African American Museum uh, uh, interview, and the Tacoma Urban League. As you go to Alexa, actually, the latest edition of Urban Forum Northwest. You can hear it up to five o'clock. I'm out now. So thanks very much, Eric, and I'll talk to you next week.